Hi, I'm Nancy Oregon with the Oregon Farms in Thorndale, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Boy, it looks like it is going to be a warm Christmas as we see temperatures warming up as we move toward the weekend all across Texas. So jump on in with me, buckle up, I'll kick on the AC as we ride around the Lone Star State to cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we had that big windstorm last week out in the panhandle, and boy, it did a number on a lot of wheat fields out there. We'll check on that to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the business world, when the dynamics of supply and demand are working in your favor, it's good times. And that's the case right now for Texas High Plains cattle feeders. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. New leadership at the Texas FFA. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I will introduce you to the new executive director of the FFA on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas is facing a flood of Mexican grapefruit trying to cash in on the shortfall caused by the February freeze. But this fruit has one big problem. We'll have more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Last week's windstorm in the Panhandle did not do any favors for wheat producers in that area. Jesse Wieners grows wheat near Groom in Carson County. He says they did have some warning that the wind was coming, so they turned on their pivots in an effort to keep the ground wet and hopefully limit soil from blowing. It ended up hitting just right around lunchtime. At that time, we had sustained winds at about 60 miles an hour with gusts to 70. We, we weren't as bad as what they got to the north, but it was enough to do damage. And then once the wind hit, it didn't stop until right after sunset. So it was 65 sustained for roughly five hours. Northern Panhandle was about 65 to 70 sustained with gusts to 100 for probably six to seven hours. And that kind of wind is devastating to young wheat plants. The wheat's basically gone, but the fertilizer that the ground was uncovered, that the fertilizer is now sitting on top of the ground. So it just looks like little bitty rocks. I mean, just the fertilizer's there. You know, I've never seen anything like that before. It just it, like it blew right down the trench and blew the crop out and exposed the fertilizer that was there. Wieners says he's heard that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of pivots blown over from the Texas Panhandle all the way up to Kansas and Colorado. The cattle industry convention is coming back to Texas. 
Cattlemen and women from across the nation will make the trek to Houston in 2022 as the annual Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA trade show returns to Texas February 1st through the 3rd. The event includes educational sessions, networking opportunities, a trade show, and demonstrations. There will be special appearances by legendary boxer George Foreman, comedian Jim Gaffigan, and Buzz Brainerd of Music Row Happy Hour. CattleCon 2022 will be February 1st through the 3rd at the George R. Brown Convention Center in Houston. You can register now at convention.ncba.org. That is convention.ncba.org. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. If you are new to Texas ranching, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has an online course you may want to look at. It's called Generation Next, Our Turn to Ranch. It's designed for new landowners, those who are inheriting land, or those who are looking to start a new agricultural operation on an existing ranch. The cost is $300 and pre-registration is required. When the dynamics of supply and demand are in your favor, it can make for some good times. James Hunt tells us that just might be the case for cattle feeders right now. A year ago, feed yards in the Texas High Plains were losing money with cash prices at about $108 per hundredweight, prices that were being weighed down to a large degree by excessive inventories as movement of cattle to packing plants was slowed by the pandemic. But with the ability to move cattle much better these days, Brady Miller of Texas Cattle Feeders Association says the recent cash market has been a lot stronger. About three weeks ago, we hit $1.42, and last week we traded fats for somewhere in the 137 to 138 range. So there's kind of the difference in having fewer cattle on feed and what that does for the profitability of the industry. As we heard from Miller yesterday, fed cattle are currently making on average about $100 per head profit on a cash basis. And while what's happened on the supply side is definitely important, Miller says cattle feeders are also being helped on the demand side, with beef sales staying strong domestically and U.S. beef exports shattering records. Overall exports have been excellent, James, and we got to continue to keep the export market open and these cattle moving. Our export numbers coming back to the industry on average is running about $350 per fed animal. And so that's what the export market means to the overall profitability of the industry. If we took our exports away, you'd be removing about $350 per fed animal. So it's super important, and we got to continue to work on these exports and moving these exports out of here. That's very true, and it's also true that even as things are going fairly well for cattle feeders right now, challenges remain. Miller says one of them is higher costs for purchasing feeder cattle as drought in the West forces herd reduction. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas FFA has new leadership. Tom Nicoletti talks with the organization's new executive director. My guest in our Waco studio today is Jennifer Jackson. She is the new executive director of the Texas FFA. She is from North Texas, from Farmersville. And Jennifer, welcome to the program and and congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for having me. What are your immediate goals for FFA? Immediately what comes to mind is really focusing on 
our grassroots. A lot of times, I think as the membership grows and as we move out of those rural areas and into some of the urban areas, a lot of times we don't know how to advocate for agriculture. And so it's important that we really focus on teaching students about agriculture, about the grassroots of the organization, and teach them how to advocate adequately for agriculture. What is the current membership of the Texas FFA? Currently, our membership is at 154,934 members, which is an increase of over 15,000 members from last year. So we're very proud of that, especially after a challenging year. Is Texas the largest membership in the nation? Texas FFA is the largest membership in the nation, and we have been for several years now. Georgia is a close second. They give us a run for our money, and and we thought they were going to surpass us this year, but we beat them again. What is the current membership breakdown when it comes to rural versus urban students in the Texas FFA? So surprisingly, most of our members, somewhere near 57% are actually in urban areas. So we're very proud of that because we're, we're still providing meaningful agricultural related experiences for those members, even though they're not directly involved in farming and ranching. And what about the male and female breakdown? So females are are quickly taking the lead. The last time that we ran that statistic, our membership was 51% females. I will have more with the new executive director of the Texas FFA, Jennifer Jackson, on our next program. I'm Tom Nicoletti for the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Extreme South Texas is facing a flood of Mexican grapefruit. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. A flood of immature grapefruit is entering the U.S. market, and our own agriculture department is letting it happen. The USDA order, it's called patch number 065, has suspended border inspectors of Mexican grapefruit by using an administrative order. It's also been able to bypass the required public comment period. Now, what's at stake? USDA inspectors are no longer able to use juice content as a measure of maturity, a long-established test for quality of grapefruit. The Texas Cooperative Extension Service, which has no regulatory activity but monitors these imports, inspected 51 loads of grapefruit in September and October. They pulled 174 lots for inspection, and they found that 149 of those lots, or over 85%, would have previously been rejected for sale to American consumers. Now, the movement of cheap imports could cost Texas growers over $70 million annually due to the suspension of the juice content and also about a 1,000 jobs if it's allowed to continue. The Texas citrus industry has spent millions of dollars to promote Texas grapefruit. Its reputation, they say, is at stake. Growers are worried that if U.S. consumers take this inferior grapefruit home and it has no juice or taste, it would jeopardize any future sales. Texas Ag Commissioner Sid Miller and Florida Ag Commissioner Nikki Freed have sent strongly worded letters to the Secretary of Agriculture about the problem. They say the freeze, greening, and loss of access of foreign markets due to supply chain issues are all causing many problems for U.S. citrus producers. The USDA has failed to answer those letters. Now, many valley producers are calling this an industry killer if allowed to continue, and we thought battling back from a devastating freeze was going to be our biggest concern. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley reporting for Texas Ag Today. Interested in improving or restoring grasslands on your property? There's assistance out there. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll explain coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
And cattle vaccine is expensive, but it's a worthwhile investment. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Yes, cattle vaccine is expensive, but Dr. Bob Judd says it's a worthwhile investment as long as you store and handle it properly. Storage and handling of vaccine is critical for it to be effective. For this reason, it is always a good idea to purchase your vaccine through a reputable company. Purchasing from your bovine veterinarian may or may not be a little more expensive, but you know they are going to handle your vaccine correctly as they have an interest in your success as a cattleman and the veterinary staff is trained in handling vaccines. There are basically two types of vaccines and these are modified live and killed. Modified live vaccines generally provide stronger immunity but must be reconstituted with sterile dewent prior to use and should be used within an hour once reconstituted. Bob Lavalley indicates in Bovine Veterinarian that stalker operations generally process calves quickly due to their facilities and labor force, but cow-calf operations may not be as quick. Because of this, don't buy too many doses of modified live vaccine in one bottle, so you don't have to discard it if you have a delay in working your cattle. Although it may cost a little more, it's better to mix up 10 to 25 doses and know it is viable versus mixing up a 100-dose bottle and some going to waste. As far as storing vaccines, you need a refrigerator that you check the temperature in to make sure the temperature stays below 40 degrees but does not freeze. And be sure to make a note of all the lot numbers of the vaccine you purchase. If a recall occurs, without this information, you will not know if you used a recalled vaccine or not. The easiest thing now is to just take a picture of the vaccine bottles since everyone has a camera on their phones. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's assistance available for improving or restoring grasslands on your property. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. There is assistance out there for landowners in parts of Texas and Oklahoma who are interested in improving grassland habitat for wildlife and birds like the northern bobwhite on their property. Katie Biggs, coordinating wildlife biologist for Quail Forever and the Oaks and Prairies Joint Venture, joins us for more on the Grassland Restoration Incentive Program, or GRIP. GRIP is a program that was developed in conjunction with a lot of partners, but primarily through the Oaks and Prairies Joint Venture. It is utilized to really address a lot of habitat decline issues in grasslands. We face a lot of habitat loss for grassland birds through people planting introduced grasses, so kind of your pasture grasses for cattle, as well as fire suppression, mesquite or brush encroachment, and overgrazing. The GRIP program really tries to incentivize landowners to put in 
better management practices for grasslands through putting in prescribed burning or removing that brush or planting native grasses. GRIP is funded through several partners, including the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Conservation Service, Texas Parks and Wildlife, and Quail Forever. GRIP is a voluntary landowner cost-share incentive program. It pairs qualifying landowners with a wildlife biologist to develop efficient and effective solutions to improve grassland habitat. GRIP applications are accepted year-round. You can contact your local NRCS office. There's also additional information on the Oaks and Prairies Joint Venture website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another higher day in the agricultural markets in a thin holiday trade. We'll take a look at all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit, But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org slash stress to learn more. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The markets are quietening down here as we get toward Christmas, so things are a bit thin. However, we did see a higher close in just about all of our agricultural markets on Wednesday. We'll start with the cattle market where December live cattle were up 22 cents, 135.75. February up 45, 137.37. April live cattle up 77 cents at 142.12. January feeder cattle up 92, 161.77. March feeders up 10 cents, 161.92. The April contract up 15 at 165.55. Cash fed cattle market mostly quiet this week. We did have some sales earlier in the week at 135 on live basis. As far as Wednesday's trade was concerned, the Packers were bidding 135, but the feedlots weren't taking it. So no sales to report out of Wednesday's trade. Boxed beef prices mixed on Wednesday. Choice down 14 cents, 261.25. Select up nine at 250.01. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear the auctioneer sound, it's time to talk to Rodney Butler about the last sale he had this last Friday, last one of the season. Rodney, how'd that last one go? 
Uh, we ended up with a good sale. We had some good cattle, and I uh, thought the market was active. Well, let's walk the pins. 485 head of cattle and eight sheep and goats. Your 200, 300 pound steers were $1.61 to 215. Heifers were $1.16 to $1.90. Your 300, 400 pound steers were $1.25 to $1.70. Heifers $1.12 to $1.50. 400, 500 pound steers $1.25 to $1.67. Heifers $1.22 to $1.45. 500, 600 pound steers $1.33 to $1.59. Heifers $1.27 to $1.45. 600, 700 pound steers $1.34 to $1.54. Heifers $1.22 to $1.32. And your 700 to 800 pound steers were $1.21 to $1.40. And heifers were $1.16 to $1.48. Packer cows, they brought anywhere from $25 to $74. Our packer bulls brought from $40 to $90. Young stalker cows brought anywhere from $62 to $82. With some bred cows dollaring out around that $11.75. And we had one pair Friday and she brought $910, sir. Good deal. When will the next sale? be uh, we'll be closed for two weeks and our first sale of 2022 will be january the 7th tell everybody how to get a hold of you please all right y'all can reach me there at the sale barn if i can help y'all anyway mark joe's cattle 361-358-1727 or y'all can call me on my mobile 645-5002 i want to wish everybody a merry christmas and a happy new year you bet bye-bye bye neighbor looks to me like that's all the time we've got for walking the pins a production of the texas farm bureau radio network Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs finished higher. February hogs up 92 cents, 83.35. April up $1.12, 86.70. Class 3 milk was mixed. The nearby December down 4 cents, 18.43 a hundredweight, while January milk was up 35 cents, 19.54 a hundred. The cotton market seeing triple-digit gains on the nearby contracts, Traders seeming to like the fact that the Biden administration says it will not propose any sort of forced lockdowns in response to the Omicron COVID variant. We close with March cotton up 156 points, 108.83. May cotton up 157, 106.80. While new crop December was up 8 points, closing at 89.99 cents. The corn market topping $6 for the first time in six months. Good support coming from strong ethanol demand. We close with March corn up four and a quarter, 6.02 and a half. May corn up four and three quarters, 6.04 a bushel. New crop September corn up three and a half at 5.70 and three quarters. And the wheat market continues to gain ground, strong demand, and an exceptionally strong cash basis, helping to pull the futures market higher. July Kansas City wheat up 11 and a half, 8.40 and a half. July Chicago wheat up 16 cents, 8.06 a bushel. In the energy markets, January natural gas up eight cents at 395. February crude oil up a dollar sixty-eight, seventy-two eighty a barrel. The financial markets higher Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up two hundred four points at thirty-five thousand six fifty-seven. The Nasdaq up a hundred nineteen, fifteen thousand four sixty. The S and P up thirty-four points, four thousand six eighty-three. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.